Thank you so much for joining me. I am Rick Thomas, and you're listening to Your Daily Drive. Today, I want to talk about being hurt by other people because that is something that you have experienced, and so have I. It is impossible to live in a fallen world with fallen people and not being hurt uh, by anyone. So it happens. It's a regular thing. And it is important that we remind ourselves of a few things that will help us when other people disappoint us. Now, I'm not going to do an exhaustive treatment on being hurt by people. That would require a book or two. What I want to do is I just want to take a particular angle, one angle on this idea of how we think about those who have hurt us, how we respond to those who have hurt us. That's where I want to come from in this article. But first, let me share a couple of things with you. Lori Bayor, I might not have that name correct. It sounds Louisiana to me. Uh, But Lori just posted on uh, one of our Facebook pages that she is ordering our book to give away as Christmas, one or two of our books, I'm not sure, Uh, But she is a member of our community and a faithful sharer of our resources, and she wants to share our books with her friends, and I want to encourage you to do that as well. We have two books currently as of 2018. I'm working on another one for spring of 2019. But the two books that we have, Change Me, it's about 300 pages and Suffering Well, How to Steward God's Most Feared Blessing, I would encourage you uh, to give those books to your friends, and that would be fantastic if you would do that. I want to share a note that someone uh, also posted about the book Suffering Well, Uh, This Person's Husband's Sick. I'll read what they wrote and, and let it speak for itself. She said, I'm reading this book. I've been reading this book for a few weeks now. A friend recommended it for some issues I've faced the last few years. This morning, my husband lies in a hospital bed for the fifth day. He has a rare autoimmune syndrome where his immune system attacked his nerve cells. We're looking at possible months of rehab before he gains his normal functions back. These truths in this book sink deep into my heart even more so. Thank you for this book, for solid theology, for suffering and sharing the comforts that God gave you. May God be glorified. This was a kind note that someone sent to me, and it's really appropriate for them at this point in their journey as her husband is sick and has months of rehab, and she's gone through some deep heartache in her own life. And that's what this book is about, Suffering Well, How to Steward God's Most Feared Blessing. It's autobiographical. As I move through the book of Job, I highly encourage it. And then the other book, Change Me, the Ultimate Life Change Handbook. If you know anyone that needs to change, and I know that's a setup question because not only do we know people who need to change, we need to change ourselves Well, that's what that book is about, and it's had some fantastic reviews, and so I would encourage you to get one or both of those books for yourself and also uh, to give away to a friend. Uh, Please do that. Jamie sent me a note. She was reading my article titled, How Do You Help a Person Who's Stuck on Herself?, And she said, basically, you have nailed it, and she posted on her Facebook page and said, you must read to the end, 
And I responded to her. And just a reminder, I reminded her that all of my articles are autobiographical. They're my devotionals is what they are. It's me working out my own salvation in fear and trembling as I post them on the internet. That's how this website started many years ago, and people started reading and sharing, and a ministry has grown out from that. But I reminded Jamie of this idea, and again, she's a supporter of our ministry as well. Thank you, Jamie, and thank you, Lori. Uh, But Jamie, uh, I reminded her that uh, they are my devotional. She said that she knew that, and it's one of the things that she appreciated about it. But I wanted to share that with you, not just her encouragement, but uh, what these articles are. It is me working out my imperfection. And I want you to hear that because sometimes you can think, like when a counselee meets a counselor, they can think that the counselor's got it all together. Ain't true. Or when someone, you know, meets the pastor, well, you, you know all pastors have it together and all pastors say collectively, it's not true. Well, the articles that I write, uh, it doesn't mean that I have arrived, and, and and that's just not true. I am working these things out as you are, and so I share these things with that in mind, and I want you to keep that in mind. Don't ever think that I have got it all together, and those who are close to me know that, and they collectively say, no, he doesn't have it all together But I think that's important to be said from time to time, and especially as I talk about this idea, the title of this podcast, Six Questions When Engaging Others, Especially Those Who Have Hurt You. I would encourage you to read that that article that Jamie was talking about, How Do You Help a Person Who Is Stuck on Herself?, Because I talk about this idea of self-righteousness, and I want to nuance it just a little bit here again and talk about it again, but I want to come from this perspective, Uh, not the idea of someone who is stuck on themselves, not from that angle, but how do you respond to people who have hurt you? You see, self-righteousness is a sense of moral superiority that appoints us as a prosecutor over other people's sinfulness. And that is the great danger here. And you will not be tempted in a more acute way than when someone disappoints you to whatever degree that disappointment is, because one of your first temptations will be to elevate yourself above that individual so you can look down on them. And that's why I said in my opening statement here, self-righteousness is a sense of moral superiority that appoints us as a prosecutor of other people's sinfulness. Now, at times, we relate to hurtful individuals. Now, think about this, and the irony here, as though we are incapable of the sins that they commit. Now, the truth is we're very capable of committing similar things. And that's why governing your heart is your first call to action before you engage hurtful people. James said it another way, be quick to hear and slow to speak. If you're quick to speak, I want to paraphrase that, be quick to govern your heart before you engage other people, a similar idea that James is teaching us. Self-righteousness is the motive of a person's heart, while the thought that flows from that kind of heart condition is, and 
I am better than you are attitude. And so self-righteousness is the heart attitude. And then what comes out of that heart attitude is, is this, I am better than you are. And that's what self-righteousness is. And you will know if you struggle with self-righteousness, if you struggle with any of these three behaviors, I want to lay out three of them quickly for you. If you struggle with any of these three things, then you know self-righteousness is a temptation for you. Number one, you are quicker to acknowledge the sins of another person while ignoring or only giving a courtesy nod to your own. Number two, The starting point in your discussion about what is wrong between you and another person is with the other person. And number three, you are more concerned with what others have done wrong than what you have done wrong. Now, if any of these things are true or partially true, then self-righteousness is lurking around your heart. It's in the shadows, hanging back in the weeds, crouching like a lion, and If you're not uh, careful, and I would encourage you to spend adequate time not just reflecting on this podcast, uh, go to the website, rickthomas.net, go to our website and look for this article, Six Questions When Engaging Others, Especially Those Who Hurt You, and I would encourage you to read this article. You can print it off, you can copy and paste it into a document, and then scribble notes on it if that will help you, and then share all of this with a friend. As I've said before, you can do many things by yourself, but sanctification is not one of them. The New Testament doesn't teach this idea of isolated sanctification. We do our sanctification in the context of a community, and you want to find at least one good person who is courageous enough who will not rubber stamp you, but they will tell you the truth in love, and you share these ideas, the things that you scribble out in your own devotions as you reflect upon this podcast, it would make a great homework assignment. And on that point, you can use any of our articles that way. I would encourage you Don't ever try to keep up with the amount of content that we are producing on a daily and weekly basis. There are are two problems with that. One, you'll get discouraged because you can't keep up. We're pushing content out all the time. You can't keep up. And if you try to keep up, this would be problem number two, it'll just land in short-term memory. And it will not be transformative. It, it, it would be a little bit better than clicking the like button on Instagram or Facebook where you like a quote. Hey, there's a quote. I like it. And you move on to the next thing. All of that stuff lands in short-term memory. And if you try to keep up with our resources, after a while, it'll just flow like water off a duck's back. What you want to do is, is pick out one article a week. Not we put, Right now, currently, we're producing three a week, plus another podcast, Life Over Coffee. And if, if you just can't consume that much content, so pick one and hunker down in that one for a week or two or three and share it with your community and keep rehearsing it in your mind. You know, this is how we memorize stuff. Repetitive over and over and over again. Not cursory reading. 
uh, we, we can get our little fix zone by going through these resources, and it, we can have a few aha moments, but again, it will not be transformative if you just skim it across it and move it on to the next thing. And so I would encourage you to use this like a homework assignment. So are you quicker to acknowledge the sins of another person while ignoring yours or giving a courtesy nod to your own? Number two, the starting point in your discussion about what is wrong between you and another person is with the other person. And number three, you're more concerned with what others have done wrong than what you have done wrong. This type of thinking and doing negates the power of the gospel in your life, which loudly proclaims from heaven that nobody is better than anyone else. The self-righteous person may say that the ground is level at the cross, but functionally, practically, in day-to-day relationships, this kind of person doesn't live it out before those who have committed offenses against them. If you believe that no one is righteous, as Paul said in Romans 3, then your attitude toward others who commit sins against you It should be these things. I want to list four things here that your attitude should be if you really functionally, practically believe that nobody is righteous, meaning there's no stratification of righteousness. You'll be, one, you are humble, not angry. Two, you are self-aware, not self-assured. Number three, you are forgiving, not hurtful. Number four, you are peace-seeking, not a desire to prove right rightness. The gospel reminds you of your sin against Christ. That's one of the good things about the gospel. That's what keeps all the ground at level, and that is the lens through which you see the sins of others. If you are looking through the cross, if you are cross-centered, if if the cross is is what you, is the grid through how you see others, then that perspective puts a governor on your heart while unleashing the sweet Holy Spirit to guard your tongue. The gospel teaches us to show mercy to others, a kindness that reflects what the Lord revealed to us through the death of his dear son. Thus, we are enabled, empowered to approach others without any sense of superiority. The gospel opens the door to this kind of peacemaking. Let me personalize what I am saying to myself. If I am not the worst sinner that I know, I am capable of doing any sin to those who are below me. You see, if you're not the worst sinner that you know, then there are others who are worse, meaning there are others who are below you. If I am not the worst sinner that I know, I am capable of doing any sin to those who are below me. And you know what Paul said, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Without wallowing in a a whole bunch of worm theology, you don't want to disassociate yourself from the facts of what you have done to Christ, and that will level the ground. 
the gospel for this kind of person who sees others as below them, well, the gospel is in name only because there is no restorative or reconciling, reconciling power. As soon as I elevate myself above another person, the gospel loses its transformative force. Now, with all these things in mind, I want to give you the six questions, the title of the podcast, to help you examine yourself as you engage others in an ever-increasing hostile world, especially for those of you who spend any time on social media, especially Twitter. You want to make sure that you understand the truths, the ideas that I'm communicating here in this podcast. Six questions when engaging others, especially those who have hurt you. Question number one, am I so confident that I see the supposed facts about others with clarity Now, there is a lot to say there, but I'll just say that we all have a skewed presuppositional filter. We have a skewed, a dirty uh, lens, a dirty window through which we see all things. Therefore, our interpretations are off, uh, besides the fact that we're (laughs) we're not omniscient. And so we can't be so confident that we see the supposed facts about others with clarity. So question number one, am I confident to see with clarity? Number two, am I quick to assign motives when I feel that someone has wronged me? Well, I hope you're not. We won't be careful about heart motives. You can judge and assess and observe behaviors, things that you see, but once you start tying those behaviors to motives without doing enough inquiry, you can go to some bad places quickly. And so the question is, am I quick to assign motives when I feel someone has wronged me? Number three, do I find it easy to build a case against someone that makes me seem right and the other person seems wrong? Number four, do I ask questions with built-in assumptions that I believe will be uh, proven right? That's called leading the witness in a court of law. You want to make sure you're not leading the witness. You don't want to have those built-in assumptions. And then tied to that, number five, do I ask fair questions, impartial questions, the kind that genuinely seeks new information regardless of its implications for my preferred outcome. And then question number six, am I overly concerned about who is to blame for something? Now, I would love for you to copy and paste these questions here. Uh, These would be excellent questions to uh, talk about in a small group setting. If you have a small community of one other friend or two or three or four, a few couples getting together, please do that. Go to our website, pull this article, Six Questions When Engaging Others, Especially Those Who Have Hurt You, this is about a 500, little more than 500 words, and so this is a this is a short form article. There's also a video here on anger because anger is the natural outworking of the self righteous heart. You can watch this 10 minute video if you wish. That will help you. And then I have three other articles linked as always, and so you can do a whole lot of work here uh, within this one article. And as always, if you have any questions for us, come to 
our free community forum. It is underwritten by those who believe in what we're doing and they have the ability to support this ministry. And so thank you, supporters. Get on our site, ask your questions. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.